Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Taped this morning on the heels of Boston's trade with Oklahoma City. The Celtics traded Kemba Walker in the 16th pick in this July's NBA draft, a 2025 second round pick to the Thunder, and Boston gets back Al Horford. They'll get Moses Brown and, and a 2023 second round pick for Boston. This was a significant deal. The first deal of Brad Stevens tenure as the president of basketball operations and gets off essentially Kemba Walker's contract the $73 million owed him over the next two years. And certainly the concerns that Boston has had about Kemba's durability. There's no other concerns you would have about Kemba Walker, the person, the player, certainly the leader. He's been all those things in his career, uh, but this is business. And and he goes to OKC, who now has three picks in the first round of July's draft. They might have two top five picks based on how things shake out in the lottery with themselves and then w- what happens with Houston and sort through all that. But here with Tim Bontemps, who covers the Celtics for us at ESPN. Tim, how are you, man? Doing well, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. And so uh, this deal for Boston, Tim, and how they move forward now, uh, what do you see kind of the short and long-term ramifications being of moving Walker out, what that means for what else they can do this summer moving forward, and then the, the point guard spot in Boston here, uh, in the near term? Well, in the short term, Adrian, what this does is gives Boston financial flexibility. Like you said, Kemba Walker's owed $73 million over the next two seasons. Al Horford is owed either 53, if he's on the team both seasons, he's owed 41 if they move on from him in the second year of that deal, which is partially guaranteed, uh, unless the Celtics win the title this year, which if they win the title, I think they'll happily pay uh, him the full freight that following season. But ultimately, this allows them to have the ability to maybe re-sign Evan Fournier. Um, as a free agent this summer, uh, Brad Stevens now obviously running the show in Boston has been pretty effusive in his praise of Fournier since he got acquired at the deadline from Orlando. Um, he gives them some of the stuff they lost with Gordon Hayward being out. Um, they obviously still have to make a decision on Marcus Smart. He has one year left on his contract. They can extend him uh, for around $70 million over four years. I'll be curious to see if they can get a deal done there. As you know, the Celtics have had a lot of guys leave with no compensation the past years of free agency, including Al Horford a couple of years ago. So I think they have to come to some decision one way or the other on Marcus Smart. Do they keep him and extend him long-term or do they maybe have to look to trade him? And then, like you said, long-term, ultimately what this team has to do is figure out who they could put around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to get this team back to being a championship caliber roster and organization in the East. Because if you look you know, if you watch the Bucks and Nets play, if you watch, you know, even the Sixers and Hawks play in the other series, Boston was not on the level of those teams this year. And if they want to, you know, be back in the championship hunt, even with two of the best young wings in the league, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, they do. And, and part of the work Boston has to do is to hire a coach. Brad Stevens is running that process now and, um, you know, figure out who the right guy is for this Celtic team, you know, they've talked, they've had, you know, first round of interviews with several candidates. Um, and so I, I think for Boston, you know, they're trying to figure out what the roster looks like, style of play, 
how they want to move forward. And listen, for Brad Stevens, this, you know, when you move over from coach to, you know, president of basketball operations, like the, these are, these are tough decisions and they're tough decisions. When you sign a player of Walker's stature and free agency, and yep. there's always a hesitancy that does it impact the next free agent you go after? And you say, well, I signed with Boston and they traded me. And I know, I think that the injuries are the most significant part of the reason this happened, but even with Gordon Hayward and there would be talk early on in his tenure, he had the injury obviously, mm-hmm. but there was, a, I think there was always a hesitancy to move him because yes, you recruited a player, you sold them on something and you move out, but it makes it harder to get the next guy, but you also, you can't sit and hold on to him and hold everything else back too. And so that makes it a difficult decision. And then there's OKC, who is gladly there again to take on your <laughs> Sam Presti uh, takes on your contract, the 73 million owed Kemba over a couple of years. And he'll do exactly what he did with Chris Paul, with Al Horford himself, with yep. Carmelo Anthony. When it's time to move you on to get you where, uh, you know, you, you might like to go. Uh, Horford is certainly thrilled with being back in Boston. He never really wanted to leave, but financially it made sense for him to go do that deal with the Sixers. And then obviously he got traded out. But I think now Presti has three picks. Oklahoma City has three picks, first round picks in the July draft, potentially two two top five picks based on how the lottery bounces. And then Celtics are the 16th pick. So however the breakdown comes in the draft, you have the assets to... And, you know, they've got like, what is it? 18 first round picks over the next 18, 18 first round picks in the next seven years, over the next couple years. Yeah. Yep. So you, you have the ability to package not only the ones you have this year, but future picks or whatever it is you want to, to, if you target a guy in the top five that you love and you say, Hey, we want to get to three, we want to get to two yep. and we're going to offer you. And so Oklahoma city is going to be able to do that for the next few drafts to be able to, even if they're not at the very top, they'll have the a package to be able to get them there. If there's a player they really love, that's why Sam Presti was down in that G league bubble for a couple of weeks, you know, and he was able a lot to, of looks at Jalen green and Jonathan Kaminga. That's for sure. Exactly. He got to spend time and watch them and know if they're in that ballpark are those, you know, to, to know as much as he could about those players. And so Oklahoma city does that Sam Presti and Brad Stevens go back. I know they've known each other since Brad was coaching at Butler. Uh, I think, Sam was always like a lot of NBA executives was always intrigued yep. with Brad Stevens and, and, um, and built a relationship with him. And then obviously now Brad's in a position to be doing these kinds of deals. So, and, and getting the deal done before the combine is pretty rare. Uh, typically these kinds of trades don't start happening till after the combine. You don't see these like when we're in the, con- we're in the conference semifinals last time and, i remember a deal like even in the playoffs happening was uh i i remember we were in cleveland for the finals when you're in ursa and sova got traded um i think you're pretty sure you broke the trade i don't i think he was either traded to or from detroit or something like that but i remember that happening during the finals but like you said having it happen even before the combine is is pretty pretty unusual it, it is and so we'll see the combines next week in chicago so that which means all the team front office people, the agents, and that's where, and then more importantly, the draft lottery is Tuesday night on ESPN. Of course, the draft lottery, then that's where people can start to get serious about trade talks because now, you know, 
where you're picking, who's where, and it's a lot easier to start talking about putting picks and trades, uh, especially among lottery teams, once you know where you fall. So that stuff heats up next week, but Sam Presti, Brad Stevens got this done today, and they they informed uh, Kemba of the deal and Al Horford of the deal, and 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 away you know away we go. So uh, yeah, but this Boston team, listen, the coaching opening is still very attractive because they have something that none of the other teams have. I mean, Dallas has Luca, and that's certainly the 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 at twenty two years old. Listen, Dame Lillard, you can go coach Dame Lillard, uh, which is an extraordinary player, but Luke is 22 and there's a much greater runway, certainly a much longer runway with him in Dallas, but Boston has two all-stars under 25 and Jalen Brown and of course, Jason Tatum. And so the pieces are there to, to reshape this roster. And now that's, that's what's on Brad Stevens to do. Well, yeah. And look, Boston also in the, the almost 20 years that Wick Rusbeck and CPAC Luke have owned the Celtics, they've had one president of basketball operations and they've had two coaches, right? So, when, when you look at this team, not only having two young all-star players, but also having long-term stability and the ability to, in theory, really have a chance to grow into the job, um, you know, that's not hap- something that happens very often. You know, part of the reason everybody has been, you know, the, the Dallas Mavericks stuff this week has been such a big thing is that Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle have been institutions in Dallas, right? It's the same reason that the Danny Age of Brad Stevens stuff here in Boston was such a big thing because those guys were here for so long. And to get a chance to not only have a team with the kind of young talent that the Celtics do, but also a place where you are going to get a chance to actually really, you know, sink your teeth into the job and be there for a while is a, a really attractive combination in a league where, as, as you know better than anybody, you know, chaos reigns supreme most of the time. <laughs> yes, and and no more so than in this last week, it feels like. <laughs> um, uh, it, it has been fairly chaotic. You know, we've got... Um, you know, Western Conference Finals, we've got obviously the Clipper Jazz Game 6 in L.A. Tonight, we've got a Bucks nets Game 7 this weekend. And so, and, and obviously a, a Atlanta Sixer Game 6 that um, is, is going to be big for that Philly organization. So a lot coming to a head. Kemba Walker is off to the Thunder, at least for now. And uh, Tim, you... Uh, you and I will certainly be monitoring all of these things. Good to catch up with you. Appreciate you jumping on the pod, and and I know we'll talk soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adrian. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers – thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back here on the Woj Pod with the great Tim McMahon, ESPN's NBA reporter. Tim, how are you, man? Doing all right, Woj. Man, I like that intro. You liked it? I like that. Yeah. I mean, you you texted it to me last night, and then you revised <laughs> it this morning. Listen, and said, the, all right. Can you? The, can, the I, I, I had good. I, I had good. I had the good reporter. We negotiated. <laughs> we went to moved it to great. But you started off uh, with halfway decent. I was able to negotiate from there. Well, listen, a lot happening in your backyard in Dallas and. Uh, as you know, as we reported yesterday, Rick Carlisle walked away with two years left on his deal as head coach, Donnie Nelson, uh, the president of basketball operations slash GM, uh, was ousted this week. And all of a sudden in Dallas, where you had had two figures in place, Donnie Nelson for 20 plus years, Rick Carlisle, one of the, the highest, longest tenured head coaches in any team, 13 years in Dallas, obviously won the NBA title as coach in 2011, both gone within just a couple of days. And this is an organization that has run itself very differently than a lot of the rest of the league. And they certainly had great success in the Dirk Nowitzki era. They were, they obviously won the championship. They were a perennial 50 win team. Um, Did it, you know, with, when they won free agency, veterans paying a big luxury tax bill uh, when it was time to win and then had a stretch as Dirk was fading mm-hmm. uh, into his twilight and, and pre Luca where a lot of draft picks didn't work out and free agent signings, you know, they maxed out Chandler Parsons. They maxed out Wes Matthews and, and that's what happened. A lot of big targets, you know, that, yeah, they, they whiffed on a lot of big targets. they, and and what ends up happening when you don't draft well is you end up overpaying in free agency and and you're you're ma- you're you're giving max contracts to good players and not great ones and that has that takes its toll on your cap your roster and and then they make the Luka Doncic draft night deal and all of a sudden now have a a second transcendent player uh, of this Mark Cuban era but. At 22 years old, and, and and with what's ahead for Luca here, how does Dallas have to approach maybe modernizing the organization mm-hmm. and 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 having something built in a little more traditional way than I don't want to call it a mom and pop thing, but it was this group that knew each other very well that uh, did it differently. They just did it differently. Than a lot of the league, Mark Cuban was is has been very involved in basketball operations. No question about that. Does it have to look different moving forward, Tim? Well, I, I think really the question is: Is Mark Cuban willing to give up control? That, that that's the question. And you know, Donnie Nelson was the president of basketball operations, but I joke that his his job that was always his title, but his actual job kind of ebbed and flowed between president of basketball operations and secretary of basketball operations. Because 
you know, sometimes he had Mark Cuban's ear and, you know, they, they, you know, for example, the, the Luca deal was definitely his. There were obviously several others that, that didn't work out. Sometimes he didn't have uh, Cuban's ear. And, you know, for example, when he pounded the table and, and tried to tell him, Hey, Giannis is the best player in this draft. Um, and there's been a lot of voices over the years who have kind of been the primary influence on Cuban. Uh, and at, at so I, I think really the question comes down to as they're making the you know head of basketball operations higher, whatever that title ends up being, um, it, you know, is, is Cuban willing to hire somebody and give them the the authority to run the franchise? And that's a that's a big question mark that's kind of hanging over because if the, if you're going to really reset the the basketball culture of the franchise, you have to start there. And that's it, Tim. And I think autonomy is a relative word in the NBA. There are very few top basketball executives, very few, less than ever, who who really can do whatever it is they wish. And ultimately, they just need a rubber stamp by ownership. More and more owners are very involved. Some maybe not to the degree of Mark Cuban, mm-hmm. But, but he was the model for a lot of guys who bought into the league and they saw how Mark Cuban was doing it, how much fun Mark Cuban was having. And I think it incentivized a lot of this newer breed of owner, not just in the NBA, I think everywhere. I think Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones, both, both Dallas figures where you saw you could buy a team and you didn't have to just hand it off. But the league has changed. And if they're going to attract a high-level candidate, for all of the reasons the job's attractive, great market in Dallas, a player in Luka Doncic, who's probably almost assuredly going to be a multi-time most valuable player. And obviously an owner of Mark Cuban, who's very invested, who's going to spend the money, who's going to do what it takes to try and compete and win. Those are all reasons you'd want the job. Mm -hmm. The question is going to be, will Mark give me the room to build out a front office, an organization the way that I think it needs to be done or the way that I did it somewhere else. And I think that's going to be for Mark at this point. He's never not going to be involved. We know he, right. he capable of it, but, but is he capable of taking a step back and a- allowing someone more space and room to, to carry out a plan and, 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 and to have, like we said, like some processes in place that maybe haven't been there. Well, and and here's the thing. Mark Cuban will listen to people. Whoever he hires, he has to listen to that person on a consistent basis. It can't be, well, you're the you're the primary uh, decision-making influence now and well, I've got this analytics guy that I really like here. Well, no, this agent's tell me this now and you know, it, it, it has to there has to be it has to flow through the the president of basketball operations or whatever they decide uh, to make this hire. And that's where you know, in, in this last situation, it became you've got Bob Volgaris, who's kind of a Cuban handpicked, you know, love his data. They can talk cryptocurrency, whatever. Smart basketball guy. But when he is reporting to Cuban and, you know, is not in communication with Donnie, and that becomes adversarial. It, it becomes dysfunctional really quickly. And they, it, you just can't have that, that type of situation. Everything has to flow through the guy that you are putting in charge of basketball operations. Tim, if they're going to bring in a real president of basketball operations, whatever the title is, they're going to hire a real person. Bob Volgaris can't be there. 
No, there's and, no, and, there's, there's no one who's going to accept him in the middle of all this. I, to me, I think that's going to be a non-starter for yeah. anyone of any real uh, stature in the league. I think Cuban realizes that. I think Bob Volgaris realizes that. Um, and you know, the other thing is, there are other frayed relationships with with Volgaris within the organization. Obviously, the the Luca one, uh, depending on uh, what they do with the coaching staff, it's just it's uh, you know, I Mark Cuban will have a very strong analytics department. Bob Volgaris, I cannot imagine a circumstance where where he will be in charge of that. You mentioned Luca, and he's on course here to to, to be offered, and and I think all indications w- would sign that two hundred million dollar extension, his rookie extension. He's eligible for the supermax mm-hmm. because he's been what what is I two think time, Bobby Marks two time first team All NBA two two time first team All NBA makes him already qualified. Players like Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum signed their rookie extensions with the hope of making yep. Jason Tatum needed to make all NBA again this year to, to be able to be eligible for that. Luca's already, you know, he's done it out of the gate. I think sometimes people believe that players are really tethered to certain executives, certain coaches. Yeah. I don't find that that is the case. I think Luca was fond of Donnie Nelson. I think he was very fond of Donnie Nelson. I think he was, uh, loyal and grateful and appreciative of the mm. fact that Donnie believed in him, that Donnie pursued him, got the deal done, brought him to Dallas. Uh, you know, he certainly knew Donnie's connections in Europe and and his, you know, what Donnie has meant to what, what Donnie has meant to really the revolution in the league that took place over a few decades of of great European talent coming to the NBA. Donnie was at the forefront of that. But life goes on, and I, I, I think the way Luca's going to look at it, my sense is, it's up to Mark now to put a structure in place, front office and head coach, that is going to allow Luca to win. Because at the end of the day, whether he likes this guy, doesn't like this guy as much, Luca wants to win. He's a fierce competitor, and I think all of those other things. I think sometimes we make too much of. Mm-hmm. Re- the relationships, especially when it's somebody like Luca, who is just so hell bent on winning. And so whether he likes everybody or doesn't like everybody, you better put a team around him. That's going to be competing for championships because th- th- that's, what's going to be, he has shown that that is what matters to him. And so I, I think now it's, it's incumbent on Mark to, to sell that vision to Luca and certainly allow him to have a voice in this. Dallas is the only place he's known in the NBA. Right. Rick Carlisle is the only head coach he's known. And, and Jamal Mosley, who we know he's very fond of and has great respect for, uh, who is the top assistant there and certainly will be a candidate, I think, whoever gets the job running basketball operations. Like, that's who he's known. And so to expect Luca to have opinions about different people around the league at 22 years old, it's different when you're a player who's 32. And you've been around the league and you, 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 you've seen and, and the relationships you have, you understand maybe better on different coaches. At 22 years old, it's just not fair to expect a player to have 
all of that perspective and context. And I think he's got to lean on the organization now and trust them that that they're going to be able to 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 navigate this and and get him what he needs now. Yeah, and Luca at, at 22, my understanding, it, he doesn't want you know ne- necessarily the responsibilities of not okay, at all. decision making and and dictate. Like there have been. You know, there have been times where if Luca wanted to throw his weight around, you know, down the roster decisions would have been made differently. He he didn't. He doesn't want those. He, Luca wants to hoop and win. <laughs> those mm-hmm. are those. That's what matters to him now. And look, the the Rick Carlisle relationship was uh, tense. Okay, and and I do think that factored into uh, you know the the ultimate decision that Rick made to walk away, just because. My and I haven't spoken to Rick specifically uh, on this since he uh, made his decision, but it is no secret that his seat was going to be hot going into the next season. That there were uh, concerns about the the tense dynamic between him and Luca, and you know, in in defense of Luca, it's not like he was the only player who was butting heads with Rick, who had butted heads with Rick. But if we're being real honest about it. When it comes to those kind of decisions being made within a franchise, <laughs> Luca was the only one that mattered. Uh, you know, you're not as concerned if the if the sixth man or you know the the fourth starter or you know those guys are are wearing thin on Rick. But uh, if it's the 22 year old MVP candidate that you're hoping to keep in town for a decade and a half, yes, those things do become concerns. But you know, again, it's not like Luca goes to uh, Mark Cuban or anybody in the front office and says, "Hey, we need to make a change here." It's just a sense within the franchise, and and I'm, you know, Rick is a perceptive guy. I'm sure he felt that as well. Yeah, and Rick's going to be Rick sees a marketplace where he uh, he's going to be wanted. Rick's not a fit everywhere right now, and I don't think everywhere is a fit for Rick mm-hmm. in terms of the jobs that are available. But I think the teams who are in more of a win-now mode, who have playoff teams, who are trying to either win a championship or maybe advance deeper than they might have in the playoffs otherwise without them, are going to take a look at Rick Carlisle. And so, you know, he walks into multiple openings around the league and, and, and is going to certainly have an opportunity to talk to teams and, and see if there's a fit. Uh, for him out there. So that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and as Mark Cuban told you yesterday, you know, he's going to hire a director of basketball operations before he hires a coach. That's how you should do it. Uh, we've seen it done backwards. It almost never works. And right. more than anything that Mavs need, they need synergy. And the way you get that is allowing that person and, and you limit your pool of candidates. If you, if you, if you put a coach in place, right. And then try to hire the the president GM. You may just limit um, who who might be interested. And so, yeah, this is going to be a telltale time for the organization. And I, I just think when you think about where as they built a team around, as they built a team around Dirk, and now they try to do it around Luca. Like I think. They won a championship, and ultimately, you are judged on results. And like we yeah. said, they won fifty games multiple times, and just a, a, a highly successful organization. But but the in between time showed a lot of cracks in the processes in that organization, and 
whether it was draft, whether it was free agency trades, um, there were a lot more misses than hits and everybody's going to have misses yeah. in the league. Everybody does. Um, and, but I think now there's a chance, and I think you use this word, uh, to, to hit the reset button in Dallas. And, and it's going to just be interesting for Mark and, and how he wants to approach this process. But I, I think there is going to be no shortage. Um, and I've already sensed it. There, there's no shortage of, of, um, executives who might be interested in finding out what exactly Mark has in mind moving forward. Well, and, the, and there's certainly an understanding within the the organization, starting with Cuban, that Luca is not Dirk, just like Kawhi Leonard was not Tim Duncan. And, you know, Dirk gave them two decades of uncrackable loyalty, never really considered leaving. They are going to have to convince Luca that this is a place where he can consistently contend for championships. Um, and, and, and if we're being, you know, maybe pessimistic, but I think realistic, there's probably a three-year window to do that. He's going into the last year of his rookie contract. If he signs that Supermax, yeah, it's a five-year deal, but guess what? Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum got player options. <laughs> Luka Doncic will get a player option on that last year. You, you can go ahead and pencil that in. So you're talking about, you know, last year of this deal, four years of that. We just saw James Harden push his way out with with two years plus a player option left. And I'm not saying that that's what Luca wants uh, at all. I, I matter of fact, I would I would my feeling is probably the exact opposite. He would love nothing more than to uh, be in Dallas' whole career contending for championships. But with a player of that kind of of talent, there comes a pressure to uh, to compete just because your window's open and also to be able to convince him that you will be contending for your entire prime here. So they've, they've got a few years to really kind of put those pieces in place. And look, they've got the most difficult piece to find. They've got the centerpiece. You've got to fill in the puzzle around them. And that starts with the guy who's putting the puzzle together. Well, right. And, and I think, and, what, and exactly what you're saying, Tim, is no one's questioning Luca's desire to want to be in Dallas. I think he's going to sign that extension. I don't have any indication that there's something that would, now, listen, he's going to process what's happening here, but you can't take it for granted. And the days of just measuring when a player becomes a free agent as to what your window is, that's gone. We are in a league of perpetual free agency. Whether you have one year on your deal, two years, three years left, name me the last yeah. player in the NBA who said, I want out of significant stature and didn't get out by the end of that season. Yeah. And no, so it, it, it doesn't matter that you have it just because you've signed a new deal. That doesn't mean you have, you just know you've got this thing in place for four years or five years, because the minute the guy says, I don't want to be here, they can, it creates such a hysteria around the player and around your organization. And you say, Hey, we can ride this out. You can't. And yeah, I have to move it. And again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Luca or any of these other players, but organizations understand that's the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And so that is the urgency. Even if Luca signs that extension on the, uh, as soon as he can a free agency, that doesn't mean like you sit back and sign, okay, we got him under, like, that's not how it works anymore. And, and listen, that's not how Mark, listen, Mark Cuban's competitiveness and you have right. Luca, you want to win. And so they've got to figure out 
how to reshape that roster around him. It is not good enough. The Chris Stapps Porzingis question mm-hmm. is interesting. I think you put it a good way earlier this season to me when we were talking. I don't know if you said this on air, but the Mavericks' best chance of winning is with Chris Stapps versus what they can get for right. Chris Stapps right now, given the injury, the injuries, the con the contract, the performance this season. This is not a high trade value. That doesn't mean they can't do a trade or wouldn't. It just means you are not at a time where you're getting maximum value for him. And do you want to wait and try to what you could get back for him might not be as appealing as trying to get him healthy and uh, you know, a full off through that dynamic with Luca yes, and him. All those things. Yeah. Uh w- what's your sense on Porzingis now, where his head is? H- how important I- I'm not a I know his relationship with Luke is not good. I also don't think it has to be. It well, just it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have to be to to for two guys who want to win and play together. I, I I just think we're we're always concerned with what everybody's relationship is, and if guys want to win, they usually figure it out. Yeah, and it's not it, as far as I know, it, it's not any kind of situation where oh the locker room is split and there's not you know it's not like those guys are having heated interactions. It's just kind of an an awkwardness. And, you know, I can throw out some numbers that point that, Hey, when they are on the floor together, uh, for the most part, the Mavericks are a historically elite offense. You know, unfortunately the last memory you have was probably the worst possible playoff matchup for Porzingis, where the Clippers were going to go small, switch everything. Porzingis posting up is not what the Mavericks wanted. So he's standing in the mm-hmm. corner, a whole series. Um, you know, at, at this point, the sense that I get, is that Kristaps Porzingis would not mind a fresh start, but his approach going into the offseason is, okay, hey, I need to – I've got a healthy offseason, which has been rare for him. He needs to work on his body. He needs to work on his game, and that that he is determined uh, to to come back and, and prove that he is a star caliber player. Um you know, again, whether he's coming back to another franchise or not, that that's not within his his power. Um, but you know, my understanding is he had very productive conversations with the Mavericks player development staff going in. Um, you know, he said the right things during his exit interview uh, to the media, and you know, I, I I I it's just very difficult for the Mavericks to to make a deal with Porzingis right now that would make sense for them simply because you would be selling low. He was a significantly diminished player this year, uh, and the circumstances were extremely difficult. Coming off of a knee surgery in the condensed pandemic season, you know, he didn't move well. Will he move better uh, next season? If so, you know, it, it, it could be a totally different story. Um, but again, I don't think he would mind a fresh start at all. But I, I do think he is realistic and is kind of looking at what can I do to become better instead of how can I get out of here? Well, there's going to be a, a lot here in this Mavericks offseason, beginning with this search for a new president of basketball operations, GM, whatever the title is, and, and obviously head coach. You'll be all over it, Tim. Thanks for jumping in, man. We'll, we'll catch up soon. Okay. Appreciate it, Woj. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to both of my guests this week, Tim Bontemps and Tim McMahon. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to the Adam Schefter podcast. 
with the great Adam Schefter, the low post with Zach Lowe, and the Hoop Collective, hosted by Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.